When we set out to achieve our dreams, we know that hard work and perseveration are a part of the equation. No one can get anywhere without working hard for it. But sometimes the adversity we face and the path that we take to get there is out of our control. For my guest today, Chaz Jackson, finally landing his dream of being a TV writer currently on the freeform show Grownish, the journey was filled with hardship, unexpected advice, and mental exhaustion. But all of these things made the reward of getting into the writer's room as a black man, telling stories authentically from the black experience, that much greater. You're listening to We Need to Talk. My dear, dear friend, Chaz Jackson, I'm so excited to have you on We Need to Talk. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so proud of you. You are currently a writer on Grownish, and I know, and we're going to talk about it, it has been a long journey for you to get to this place. <laughs> and I mean, and I'm just so proud of you. You know, we've been keeping tabs on each other for many, many years and, and been such a support network for each other. And I'm just so, I'm yeah. so excited for you. And I know that you, like most people, have dabbled into a lot of different areas in the industry in order to get where you wanted to be. And, yeah, you're like, ooh, <laughs> he said, you're speaking, you're speaking. Um, but was it, what was it specifically about writing and being in a writer's room of a show that stood out to you and wanted you wanted that to be your career? Because I know that that was kind of always the end goal for you, yeah. despite all of the twists and turns and different things that you got involved in. Um. You know, it's kind of like, um, I'm not even, I'm not going to say a mandate, but what it was, was as a child, I was in love and obsessed with storytelling mm. in all mediums. Um, like my earliest VHSs that my parents have, I'm performing a story that I wrote after I've done, my parents were done checking my homework. So like, that was just like what I lived for and loved. And like, as, as things like progressed, I started writing my own comics and I would share those with my friends. And I'm talking about like an elementary school. And, and, and at some point, probably I think in high school is where I would do my homework in front of the television and just really, really, really get into television in that, in that um, way. And thinking to myself, like, this is something that I want to do. I don't know anybody who does this, but I know somebody writes this, like, this would be great. And, and as I went on in my higher education and studied screenwriting and all of those things, that's when I learned about the writer's room and, you know, was able to intern and get into writer's rooms and kind of just see how that monster worked. And either, <laughs> either it was a UPN show and it was all black or there was a token black person in each room. And just, you know, growing up in Napa, California and going being the only black person in a AP English class or an AP math class. I, that was something I was already used to. Yeah. But <laughs> no, getting into those classes versus getting into a writer's room as a as a person of color was something that proved to be so much more challenging. So I don't mm. know if I answered that question, but it was always well, I want to dive into that yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that yeah. is why was that the case for you? Why was it the case to you, Well, you said the classes specifically were even harder. I'm curious, I'm curious about that. You, you know, um like if if we take it back to my first day in 7th grade, um I show up to I show up to a new middle school in um in Napa and I went this school funneled from my, my elementary school. So all my same, you know, friends from elementary school were all at middle school and we like maybe meet at lunch. And they're like, yeah, I'm in AP English. I'm in AP math. And I'm like, I'm not in any of those classes. Like, I got the same grades you got, like, all throughout mm. elementary. 
And so honestly, I had to go to the principal's office my first week of school, my first day of school and say, like, I think I should be in these classes and getting that kind of, well, I shouldn't say like, as if anybody knows that for sure, but getting these weird, weird stares and getting the like, mm, maybe you should try what you're in right now. And it's like, no, I want to try this and let's see how that works and yeah. excelling and being exactly where I was supposed to be, but yeah. having to take that extra step to get into that and and show like my worthiness and then like being in in honors English classes and winning like tons of poetry competitions and things like that that my teachers would submit me for it's like having a like be in a space and prove your worthiness but also fight to get there yeah. it's just something that started to just I mean just started to happen early on in life and luckily and thankfully I kept that fighting spirit along the way because I saw a lot of friends burn out or yeah. just say, you know what, I'm cool with this at, at this level or this, this class or group of people, it's easier. It's familiar. And yeah. just kind of always having that hunger. I, um, I tell a lot of people that I attribute so much of where I'm at and success to my parents because I had parents that never told me there was something I couldn't do. And I didn't realize that until I became a full grown adult and started to get around my peer mates and, and have, they'd have that kind of like, you can't do that kind of spirit. Or my parents told me I couldn't. And when I was younger, they wouldn't. And I was just like, oh, like I was blessed to have parents that were like, you want to do that? Let's see how you're going to do it. You want to do, do that? Yeah. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. And and I'm I'm so 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 grateful for for having Absolutely. having that. Yeah, we have we have similar upbringings in that sense, and I'm sure you know being close with my sister as well. Like specifically with my mom, like she definitely was like, no, you you guys want something, you work hard and you get it, and it's all about work ethic and and proving yourself in that point. But what I've felt in this industry specifically, and I'm curious how you deal with this balance of proving that you've done the work. You've gotten where, because, you know, people are always like, oh, if you work mm -hmm. hard, you can get to where you need to go. And they don't take into account that race does play a factor for a lot of things in our life. But how have you balanced proving your worthiness, but also not feeling like a diversity hire? <sighs> it's tough, right? <laughs> it's a tough thing. It's a tough balance because I want to know for sure that I got cast in this or I got picked for this because I was qualified but at the same time, I do notice that your entire staff or your entire cast or whatever is all white. So why did you really hire me? Like, I feel like people don't understand the mental gymnastics that people of color have to go through. You know, um, as I was like seeing the gatekeepers or like how difficult it started to prove as an adult to get into um, the writer's room or the writing game, a lot of um, a lot of my peers and a lot of um, my mentors would say, you know, you should you should apply for the fellowships or the things that are like make getting diversity hires in. Like here's the, here are the pros and here are the cons, you know, because it's really hard to get out of that diversity hire um, seat. And so and so with that, I just started applying to competitions that had nothing to do with race and and kind of putting things out that were just like this is who I am. I um I was fortunate enough to take a free writing class by a television writer back in the, um, the UPNCW days. And, and one thing that he said to 
um, a room of majority African-American young writers is he was like, you know, if you're African-American, I'm going to say this, you should probably write white script samples and, and vice versa so that you don't get pigeonholed as to all, that's all that you can do. And I took, I took that very seriously because I was like, as a writer, you know, I can tell story if I sit and listen I, you know just because I'm a male doesn't mean I can't write for women and just because I'm you know this doesn't mean I can't write for this and brought up this way doesn't mean you know it's it, it is about where your experiences what you've seen and and being able to tap into and so um and so I, I definitely took his advice and so winning winning competitions and uh things that <laughs> I, I was a Napa Valley Writers Fellow for fiction um i've won national competitions and slam poetry i won um the new york Te uh, new york television festival those were things that were just just kind of with all my you know all my peers no matter what race no matter what like hey you know chaz is a force to be reckoned with and when it was still proving difficult to get into you know the room that is when i went ahead and applied to um the disney writer fellowship which is for people of color, LGBTQ, and people with disabilities, and got into that. And that was a way that I was able to finally get my break in. And so yeah. it what what it ended up being for me was um what that what that writer um said to me and that advice he gave me so many years earlier, which was, you know, it's it's kind of like the diversity hire is here to help you, but there are cons to know. And so it was just for me, I guess, being more as well-rounded as possible when I stepped into any room, like you said, to say like, not only am I here, but I'm here and I have, I have a voice and I have a story and I have things that are worthy enough to be brought to the table. And so you have the qualifications to be there. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was Chaz being that, you know, um, middle schooler all over again, just at a new table. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a tough balance. And I've asked that question to, to several people in different fields and it's, it's hard to figure out. It, it, it really is because you never want to feel like you're being tokenized, but you also realize that that might be the only way that you are going to get into the room. Yeah. But you get into the room maybe just based on them needing diversity, but you stay in the room because you know what the hell you're doing. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And, I, and, and that's why I go back to like gatekeeping because it's like, <sighs> most of us went to like, Four, four colleges like this and <laughs> you will and then I'll leave those to your imagination but like most of us went to the same four colleges and so it's like I see kind of gatekeeping is like oh you're safe you're safe because you went to this school so I know if you graduated from this school that means that you already jumped over all of these hurdles to get here yeah. and and I think one of the things that have has beautiful in ugliness of COVID is that people have been able to be hired and work from all over the country and all over the place and prove that kind of worthiness. It's the same like when people with disabilities started to make the um, started to make the point like, okay, now all this work from home and this Zoom stuff back when before before this happened, you all said this would be a problem for me. You know, let's 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 keep it this way. Yeah. You know, when the world opens back up, and so 
I say that to say that it's like, just like you said, it's like, hey, I'm here. I proved that I, I did the I did the marathon. I did the swimming, the, the jumping, the, the running, all of these things to get here. Now that I'm here and I've shown you that I can do this, let's be open to the possibility of me running, of running a room. Let's be open to the possibility of me having my own show happen. Let, let's be like open to the possibility of you taking my recommendations as to somebody yeah. else who can come right a seat, you know? Um, because that that's how it's been with the good old boys club. And I feel like that was cute <laughs> for the first however many years we've been <laughs> in existence here, you know, in these United States of America, but it's, it's time for the change we want to see. And I am so happy that there have been more opportunities and that so many people are reaching back and, and, and bringing back those, those people who helped them along the way or those people who they saw, they see something in. And so mentoring yeah. is extremely important to me. If there's anybody who I've come in contact with, who's, you know, asked me for those same asks that I was asking for, it's like, yes, I'll, I'll make the time. Yes. Because I know how instrumental and how valuable that was to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you said that because it kind of falls into my next question because I, I obviously talk about DEI a lot on this show because it's something I'm very passionate about. Yes. And obviously just being a singer, being an actress, being in the industry in general. Um, I know a couple years ago, we obviously saw all of these black squares, all of these initiatives that were going to come out from different companies. And I, I'm focusing specifically on our industry just because that's the conversation that we're having. Yeah. But I know that in terms of diversity and representation, like we needed it not just in front of the camera, but behind the scenes as well. Because so often, as we know, you know, black people, people of color, we didn't get to really have a hand in telling our own stories, right? We were in front of the camera, but who was controlling it? Puppet master. They they didn't know us, right? They didn't have any real actual connection to us. So you said it a little bit, but what else are you personally doing in your position to hold people accountable to the things that they said they were going to do in 2020? That's a that's a great question because it's it's two part. And I'll say the back part and then I'll go the other way. One part is when I'm in a room and I'm, you know, working on a project, I am being as fiercely true to that character or that demographic or that story that we're telling at all costs. And I will burn on that mountain to for the authenticity of the story, even when I have a room of upper level or higher up saying, well, no, that's not what we know it to be. And I'm like, well, I'm telling you, this is what it is. And right. You're like, this, this is my lived experience. Yeah, so this listen. is my yeah. lived experience. This is important. This is what they would say, this is how they've done this. This is this. And so um, it, it felt great. I was at a, um, a party last weekend and someone said they were a fan of the show. And I said, you know, I write for the show. And she said, I knew they had some of you in that writer's room because that story you told on fraternity and sorority, it was so specific to the Black experience that I knew it had to be. And, and for me, that was just like, mm. check, checkmate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for, for a fan to say that they could tell that that was not a room of others writing and then just yeah. placing an actor to say their words that felt like, okay, you know, mission accomplished. And, and just like you said, back in 2020, um, I was an assistant when, when everything hit and me thinking I was going home for two months 
I said to myself, Chaz, everything that you have been prevented from doing or said you were going to do, but this nine to five has prevented you from doing it, do it now. All those, Mm -hmm. everything that's just script that you've been sitting on, write that shit. Walks and, you know, hikes that you said you wanted to get fresh air, but you've been at, you know, your desk from sunup to sundown, get out and do that. And I really did, Melinda, like, it was it was kind of a beautiful thing because so many people like we're outside now we back outside. I was outside at the beginning of the pandemic because I Mm -hmm. I literally, I thought that it was going to just be an overnight thing. It was going to be two months and we're going to be back, you know, to business as usual. So I was being able to experience like so much of nature and from long Los Angeles to Long Beach to San Francisco and back. I was in places where it was like, this seems like, like world war z or this seems like i am legend nobody's outside and i can just get from the valley to the west side in like 10 minutes 15 minutes and so (laughs) i was just literally just outside and really being appreciative of that and then when i was back inside you know on my computer i was just cranking out those stories and cranking out those scripts feeling like this might this might not last forever and 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 that and those things taking care of my self like really putting in a self-care and taking care of my well-being and putting into my art helped me and just propelled me so much at the beginning of the pandemic and yeah. throughout. Um, and, and, then I, and I say that to anybody who's listening is to just really bet on yourself. Like really, really like the things that you say you're going to do, you start sounding like a broken record or like you're talking to a brick wall if you don't back it up hmm. and, and do it at your own pace, but do it. And, yeah. and that, that just, I, 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 um, I give, I have a gratitude journal, so I'm, I write my gratitudes down often, but I give gratitude to the 2020 Chaz and I give gratitude to the 1999 Chaz and just like, thank him for doing all of that work and things that he didn't want to do and working jobs, yeah. he didn't want to work and, you know, doing things for free and, you know, lending talent for free or learning a different curve or whatever to get to this space because it was, it was necessary. And I didn't know it at the time. It it felt, it felt right. And at the same time felt tedious and hard, but it, it lended a hand in everything that is happening now. And so a a friend of mine recently said, um, you know, Chaz, you're receiving, um, you're receiving the fruits of seeds that you sowed years ago. Like you think this, this fruit is from, a seed that you sowed two years ago, but that's like, just imagine if the seeds that you've been sowing these last two years are coming, you know, 10 years from now. And and that's like mind blowing. And that's just, it feels great to know that if I'm reaping the seeds from, you know, from things planted years and years ago, then like the sky's the limit. And you just got to just like, just keep, keep it up. Keep, keep, keep going is all keep I going, absolutely. Keep going. I, I love that that's so encouraging and it's so true and, and I'm a, definitely a testament to that as well yeah. and it's funny with you know social media and and people maybe not keeping up with you on a daily basis it probably seems like things happen for you overnight and they have no idea the daily <laughs> like I'm the sorry daily I wish struggle. I could see my face because I've known you since you had a one in front of your age. So <laughs> the thing is, is that like we know, friend, that it's not it's not overnight. It's the same that the, the things that you are doing right now in your life, I met 
you, you were like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I was like, that girl's a diva and she's going to do it. And it's the same. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be celebrating now with friends and family because they knew yeah. that middle school Chaz, they knew that Chaz that moved away from home to come out to LA and Hollywood yeah. for his dreams. And they knew Chaz in the Bush, you know, recession when he was doing jobs, he didn't want to do, but it was, it was all leading toward this. So overnight, nothing. Um, ever, ever. <laughs> overnight, nothing. Yeah. You know, social media and, and the stories that people want to craft about your life to make it sound like this, you know, Cinderella thing is is a um is crafted and it is definitely um i say that you know like social media is is a well-crafted tool you can show the size you want to show and you can not show anything when you know when you're going through your struggle and so i'm often super transparent like i was saying when i'm meeting mentees or somebody who says hey how do you do like this and i always say like if you want to know the real, you probably are not going to, you're not interested in what it took for me to get here, but I'm going to tell you anyway. And right. from there we can decide, you know, if you still are, you, you still have a heart for this. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said in terms of, you know, keeping the authenticity of characters yeah. and storylines in, in, in conversations in the writer's room. Have you had many teachable moments and how have our non-melanated friends responded to criticism? Because I know for me, just in conversations that I have, as we're talking about on social media and, and, you know, doing activism, this podcast, you know, a lot of people, I do get a lot of response, positive and negative, but I love those teachable moments and it does give me hope like, okay, all is not lost. So I'm just curious what your experience has been in regards to that. Um. I think you gotta you gotta kiss a lot of frogs sometimes to get your prince or princess. And being in the ish world and the ish universe, um, super fortunate, super blessed to be around so many people of color um, who who just get it. And I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take the time to say I'm sure when there are non melanated people in a room full of each other, they just get it. So to finally get that kind of comfort where you can be in a room and not have to explain the joke or explain the reason the purpose of the reason yeah yeah. it's been so refreshing because not all of my peers have had experiences a lot of them have been the the only in the room or the whatever show they're on and it's we've you know sat and had lunch and drinks and they've expressed their frustrations and it is it is pouring back into each other and uplifting each other and saying, you know, you got this friend, stick, stick with it. But fortunate, so fortunate for me, like those types of teachable moments you're asking about. Yeah. There, there've been things up for debate and things that we've talked about on both sides of the, the fence where th- I've been educated about something that I, I didn't know or I had a preconceived notion to, and I've had to educate and say, Hey, this is this, this is what, you know, this person would be going through. And I feel like we haven't seen it in this light and let's show it like that. And so it's, I love working in the comedy room because we really do just get to shoot the shit and we really get to, you know, know at the end of the day, this is, this is fun. This is funny. So sometimes it's not that the stakes aren't as heavy as certain content and, and material. Um, but Being, I want to, I want to learn 
until the day I die. Every day I want to learn something new. And so waking up and knowing that I'm not the smartest person in the room and I'm not the dopest person on earth, I'm dope and I'm smart and I can bring that to the table. But being teachable, it it helps you and me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I am just so happy that I'm able to now look at different forms of entertainment and media that reflect the whole diaspora and the whole and the whole spectrum and like like I said to you being younger and seeing things but not seeing me and just saying I know somebody writes that I know I'm interested in this and I know you know this but wouldn't it be cool if if it was this and having to write my own comics and having to you know write my own stories right insert myself into it it just feels it feels good for whatever the next generation is getting ready to be and what they're getting ready to see and and I feel like it allows them to dream bigger. Yeah. You know, I want to get your opinion on this as a writer, because I'm sure you see with the attempts of having more diversity on screen, specifically in stories that traditionally wouldn't include people mm-hmm. of color. But one of my friends said this perfectly. He's like, just because they didn't include us doesn't mean we weren't there. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's what it is. So we're seeing a lot of people of color now specifically coming up with like the Lord of the Rings and the House of Dragon and those mm-hmm. types of shows, right? And someone posted the other day that, oh my God, it was just this huge light bulb for me that they feel like the reason so many people get upset about that type of casting is because those shows were their escape from Come the on. force Come on. of being Come around on. people of Come color on. in their regular lives. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like it just hit me over the head. So I'm curious as a writer, if you think that, because it makes complete sense to me. They're like, Oh, I have to already have all this DEI in my work. I have to have DAI in, you know, in the streets. And I just want to come home and watch Lord of the Rings and see white people. (laughs) I want to answer, I want to answer this, this question in doses. When I was, I think I was 19. The first time I went to New York, and fell in love with the city. I'm a West Coast boy, born and raised, and went to New York and had a blast and kept going. And I was late to the game for friends, but turned on friends and was like, this is not what New York, this, New York, I'm I'm sorry. Like, I, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't go anywhere in New York and see a place that was only white people white people like, yeah patrons the homeless dude outside whatever whatever we want to put ourselves at i saw people of colors all throughout and i was like how do they sure. how is there a series that takes place in new york and there are no people of color i was like fake news until season real, seven I can't, <laughs> I can't participate in this i can't wait till season seven till gabrielle union or aisha kurt like you know uh, right. aisha come across the screen and so so that right there i remembered feeling this does not feel right because this is this is taking a slice of life and then putting an extra like fairy tale on top of that to to erase us and to Mm. and to make us not be there so if we want to go to fantasy or anything like that you know before it became super super popular but all of these like apocalypse and utopian worlds would happen you know i like that genre i was like oh they trying to say black people don't exist in the future or we didn't make it to the you know like this is very this is very targeted and this is very um this is very conscious what's happening so and these fairy tales that happened, you know, back in the day, and they want to say, oh, well, we just didn't live in that part of Europe or whatever, you know, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, whatever, whatever genre you want to say that we didn't exist in. It's like, cut the crap. Like, yeah. I get, I'm 
problem with that being your escape and everyone should have everyone should have those types of doses but let's not if we're gonna if, if this is gonna be fairy tale or fictional to say that we're not included in that is mm-hmm. is very specific is very direct is very in your in your telling and then and then we do things like make a wakanda and and you're like, oh, there's an audience. There's been an audience for this. And we're going to show you that, you know, uh, we can use our hair. We can use our clothing as weapons. We can we can really like, we can, we can do all of those things that you thought only you could do. And we can sometimes do it better. <laughs> come on, <laughs> um, come on. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I just feel like, I remember being in college and a friend said to me, hey, Chaz, I was in the anthropology class. And I saw what the person, what the people of the future are going to look like. And it looked like you with light eyes, like, like literally, you know what I mean? Like you have like very like Asian features, African-American. And like, this is what they're saying. The person in the future is going to look like and fast forward. And, and here, and here we go with, you know, this, this blending. And, and, and I think it's, I think it's beautiful. And it feels good to it feels good to see that and honestly i feel like the people who are um pushing against it so much and this change i'm just waiting for them to die out melinda if there's permission to speak freely like like speak your truth speak your peace but i i keep watching house of dragon i'm gonna keep writing us into these apocalyptic movies and into these, you know, these fan these fairy tale movies and these fantasies because because our future and the children need to be able to dream and they need to be able to have those types of yes. heroes to look up to. It was devastating to me when Chadwick passed. Yeah. Because of yeah. because what because what he represented and what that meant and to finally get a superhero and just do it like that, you know, and then and then to lose him, it it really I mean I I, I cried with other grown grown men oh, about that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so I it shouldn't have to all rest on one person's shoulders. We should be able to see see it in every aspect and be and, and the reason is is because as a child growing up watching your fantasy and your, you know, utopian futures, I still was able to fantasize and dream and and have that. So now that I'm sharing mine or, or, or asking to be incorporated into yours, like, can you have the same type of grace that I have for you? Mm. Mm. And that's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking yeah. for, you know, you to move mountains. I'm just asking for the same grace that I get. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As you move forward now in your career, is there a story that hasn't been told yet that you would like to either personally write or you would like to see? I'm writing them all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I know people hate reboots, and I'm starting with this and moving somewhere else, but I watched so many things and seeing them kind of get a person of color spin now and be retold, especially because the young generation don't even know that Beyonce and Michelle were in a group with each other. So (laughs) this brand new to them, you know, so they didn't know the Titanic was real. They thought it was just a movie. So we got a lot to do with the young generation. So, So to retell some of those stories that I grew up with that I absolutely loved and see them come back with a, a spin of color or even just make it multi, um, multi-racial cast. 
that's something that's on my heart to do. But a lot of a lot of these stories that I'm telling that I'm interested in, a lot of dramedies of color, because we're we go through so much and we still can make that shit funny as hell. You know, just the the most treacherous things, friend, and are still able to laugh about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to see that. I want to see more of that in television and film. And um, so, a, a passion project and something I'm really working on right now just incorporates taking comedy and me- the mental health space. Mm-hmm. Mental health is so important in our communities, and it was so taboo when I first started. But not in general. in my family, in my circle. When I first started going to therapy, it was so taboo. It was like, oh, can we just pray? Can we pray on it? Can we give it up to God? Can't we, you know, what you grew up with, Chaz, you know, your religion. And and I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to still talk to God, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to stand on this. And and I I got so much better for that. And I got so much healing from that. And I've I've grown as a person and an individual. And I, I know how difficult that was for me to stand on that in my bubble. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what, if that was me, then what What about all the other people who are being quiet mm-hmm. about it or who are who want it but aren't reaching out? And so I'm putting I'm putting that in my stories because people people won't always give you the time of day to sit and listen to you or have a conversation with you. But they'll turn on that TV and they'll turn on a movie and they'll Netflix and chill and sit back and get taken away and swept up in. And I'm like, if we can actually, you know, again, like plant those little seeds in in some feel-good television and film, then then why not? So I love that. Yeah. I have a sweater that says it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. It, come on. Come <laughs> on. It, it, they, and that's what it is. It's okay to have both. It's okay because Jesus is going to tell you, you need to go to the therapist. And I'm like, I'm like, God, Jesus has God. They have each other. So, yeah. so Amen. come on, come on. Come and and on. all throughout the Bible, they are giving each other what me and my therapist give each other. Seriously. Yeah. Those yeah. keep it, keep it trill talks to one another. It happens. And so it's like, if, if you can't see that that's what that was in, in plain sight, then I, I, I don't know what to tell you because I feel like these resources and, and these healing um, re- resources wouldn't be available to us if they weren't necessary and of God's will. Like never going to take you to something or through something that you cannot get to get throughout. And then asking for help, asking for help has been my saving grace. The kindness of strangers helped raise this boy in major cities. You know what I mean? Like helped get me here. And I know my my parents and my fa- my family and my tribe are very thankful for that, and and I, I I try to be that to others and just again try to honestly recommend and lead by example. Yeah, I I love that because there obviously is such a stigma behind mental health yeah. in this country, and I think entertainment has so much power to make a difference across the board. I mean having diversity representation that helps when you have that in movies but having conversations about religion having conversations about mental health about politics in entertainment form like you said people are more willing to probably sit down and watch a television show or watch a movie and then realize there's some deep rooted message 
within and connect to it or have a conversation about that following. So I love that that's where you want to go. And I do think it's super important. And I have no doubt, no doubt that you'll be successful doing that. Um, I'm really grateful that you took the time to chat with me today. It was so great. Thank you for having me. So much fun, (laughs) Corinne. So much fun. Can you let everyone know where they can follow you on social media and also when they can watch Grownish? Yes. Um, I was blessed enough to write the mid-season finale of Grownish, um, so check that out on Hulu and Freeform. Uh, by the time this air, by the time this airs, the mid-season finale will have already aired. So please go check us out. Um, my episode's called "It's a Vibe," but again, we're on Freeform and Hulu. And all my contact information: I am Chaz. I am Chaz C H A S on all social media. Holler at me. Let's stay in touch, friend. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much, Chaz. Thanks. And to the listeners, thank you so much for listening to We Need to Talk Weekly. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe. And remember, everything starts with a conversation. 